My audience knows, if you've been following the show for some time, that I avoid being overly optimistic or pessimistic about any particular election. And I always make clear that no matter what the polls tell us today, the only thing we can control is whether we vote and we should always vote. In that context, in the last week, there are a bunch of races that are going very much the wrong direction. There is what I think can accurately be called a Democratic collapse happening in many races and a possible red wave rising. Now, at the start of the week, I told you zooming out the forecasts for the House and Senate have worsened for Democrats and they have improved for Republicans. But where can we see this at the individual race level? And I'm going to tell you up front that these are this is ugly. These are very ugly numbers that I'm about to show you here. Look at some of these races. Florida Senate incumbent Marco Rubio is challenged by Val Demings. Demings is a great candidate who had one of the best debate performances of all the debates that we covered. What at one point was a Rubio lead in the region of five, two, three, four, five, six has now become a seven and a half point lead for Marco Rubio, very quickly getting out of reach for Val Demings. Moving on to DeSantis versus Charlie Crist, also in Florida, Charlie Crist mopping the floor with DeSantis, who visibly malfunctioned on Monday night. We played the clips. We showed you all of it. What at one point was a five, six, seven point lead for DeSantis has now swelled uh, to an 11 point average lead for DeSantis with as much as a 14 point lead in some of these individual polls. This is quickly getting out of reach. Florida quickly looking like it will fall to the most extreme elements of the Republican Party or stay in their hands, I think better said in Georgia. Again, talking about the best Democratic performances this cycle, Stacey Abrams was one of them facing off against incumbent Republican Governor Brian Kemp. What had been, as you can see, if we go back, actually, I don't oh, I do have the older data. What had been many polls in the Kemp plus two, four, two, five, one area has now become Kemp six uh, plus six point seven, an almost seven point lead for Brian Kemp. Not totally out of reach, but increasingly difficult for Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams. I don't tell you this to demoralize. You know, there's this horrible thing that happens where no matter what I say about polling, someone's mad. If I say, look, the polls are looking terrible for Democrats, people say, oh, David, you're demoralizing Democrats so they won't go vote. And if I say, oh, look, the polls are looking good for Democrats, people write to me, they say, David, you're giving people false confidence. They're going to think they don't need to vote. Folks, I tell you what is going on. And I also tell you how I believe we should react. And no matter what the polls say, we should react by voting. But more of these races. Here is a race where the Democrat is still winning, but by a dramatically smaller margin than it was at one point. Dixon versus Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer is the current Democratic governor of Michigan. Tudor Dixon is the Republican MAGA challenger. If you look, you see that even as late as August 24th, Whitmer was up by 16 points by the middle of September. That was down to an eight point lead. The lead was halved. And now it is a three point lead for the Democrat Gretchen Whitmer. Michigan governorship is now in play for Republicans. It's sickening. 
If you look at Ohio, Vance versus Ryan, Tim Ryan, the Democratic challenger, not challenger, the Democratic candidate, J.D. Vance, the Republican candidate, J.D. Vance, by sucking up ferociously to Donald Trump, he was able to secure an endorsement from Donald Trump. If you look at that race, what at one point uh, was a actually this one, this one actually hasn't changed that much. Uh, it's a relevant one to include because it's important, but it actually has not changed that much. Uh, Vance is plus two. And that's more or less where it has been, more or less where it has been. Um, but it is um, potentially another seat that will fall to Republicans. Um, Georgia Senate Walker versus Warnock. Raphael Warnock's lead is now half a point, And this one is really, really sickening. Herschel Walker can barely speak and he can't explain his positions on any issue. He's completely incoherent. Warnock, not a great debate performance, but clearly the competent candidate. If you look back at the history here, Warnock was up four to five points in late July, still up four to five points in August. But that lead started to shrink, shrink, shrink to the point of a tie. Briefly, during the Walker scandal, Warnock opened up a five point lead. It's basically a tie. Herschel Walker, who cannot speak and cannot think, may replace Raphael Warnock as a senator from Georgia. And then Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the incumbent versus Beto O'Rourke. This at one point was a sort of closer race. If you look at uh, late June, it was Abbott plus six. If you look at um, there was a, a sort of brief point where the lead was smaller. I don't remember exactly where it was. Oh, it was it was actually last year. It was five. This has now become a more than eight point lead for the incumbent Greg Abbott, which in Texas will be quite difficult for a Democrat to overcome. Doesn't mean we stay home. What else do you have to do on that day? We should all vote and we should fight every race. But there is a serious concern right now that a red wave is coming, and it's a combination of a few things. Most importantly, most importantly, this is the effect of Roe v. Wade being overturned, which helped Democrats fading too soon, being supplanted by economic concerns, and despite essentially full employment and almost unanimously positive economic indicators, rhetoric on inflation reigning supreme in the minds of many voters. And it is shaping up to be potentially disastrous for Democrats. So what do we do? We vote, we vote, we vote, we vote. One of the most anticipated debates in the 2022 election cycle was last night. It was quack television doctor Mehmet Oz against Democratic Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. They are vying to be the next senator from Pennsylvania. Now, I am not going to sugarcoat this for anybody, and I didn't during yesterday's much watched live stream. John Fetterman suffered a stroke some months ago. He is recovering and has been cleared by his doctors to say you can serve as senator. He is not struggling cognitively in the sense of memory, logic, critical thinking. But Fetterman is struggling significantly when it comes to um, speaking and translating thought into speech. It's really sad to see. And what is horrifying is that the completely unqualified, delusional and incompetent Mehmet Oz may become a senator because John Fetterman had a stroke 
and didn't perform particularly well last night. It was difficult to watch. I'm putting politics aside here for a second. I feel terribly for John Fetterman. Public figure in the middle of a campaign has a stroke running for an important office and now visibly struggles to speak, needed closed captioning during yesterday's debate um, in order to uh, better understand the subject matter, having having trouble with audit auditory processing. Um, I hope for the absolute best for Fetterman's recovery. And it was a very difficult debate to watch last night. By the way, Fetterman was not a particularly good debater. I mean, Fetterman was the best candidate in the Democratic primary. But even at the Democratic primary debates, he wasn't the best debater. Let's look at a few clips from last night. The most disturbing clip was when Mehmet Oz said that local political leaders should be the ones making decisions along with patients and doctors about abortion. No, they shouldn't. It should be doctors and patients. But here is Oz with a very extreme statement. There should not be involvement from the federal government in how states decide their abortion decisions. As a physician, I've been in the room when there's some difficult conversations happening. I don't want the federal government involved with that at all. I want women, doctors, local political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive, to put the best ideas forward. So why do we need politicians in the room? Why is it better if they're local? This idea of let the states decide when there really aren't differences. Like, let me give you an example. When it comes to gun safety, as an example, Bernie Sanders is correct that gun ownership in Vermont is a very different thing socioculturally than it is in, I don't know, North Carolina. And so regardless of your views, I can understand why one would say, well, because gun ownership in Vermont is a different thing than in North Carolina, maybe there should be a different conversation happening in each state. It doesn't mean we don't have gun safety regulations or that I think we shouldn't have them, but it's at least plausible when it comes to abortion. It's fundamentally about this is a medical procedure and this is a procedure in which you shouldn't have politicians in the middle. Why is it better to have a local, uh, you know, a governor or a mayor? telling women what they can't do rather than a senator in D.C. Either way, it's bad. And this is a completely outrageous and extreme position. Here is just a clip just to really sum up the difference in the positions between Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman on this issue. All I want women, doctors, local political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive, to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. Contrast that with my opponent, John Fetterman. But if you believe that the choice for abortion belongs between you and your doctor, that's what I fight for. It's it's that that's it's that simple. It's that simple. And Oz's position, of course, has been cobbled together in trying to basically focus group the best possible thing to say exceptions, but not this and no federal involvement, but let local blah, blah, blah. It's a mess and it's outrageous and it's extreme. The Fetterman position is the correct position. Now, John Fetterman did comment on his stroke and he had the following to say about it. Pennsylvania. Here's a man that spent more than $20 million of his own money to try to buy that seat. I'm also having to talk about something called the Oz rule, that if he's on TV, he's lying. He did that during his career on his TV show. He's done that during his campaign about lying about our 
record here, and he's also lying probably during this debate. And let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. And this campaign is all about, to me, is about fighting for everyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down that needs to get back up and fighting for all forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania that also got knocked down that needs to keep getting Pennsylvania. Yeah. So as you can see, um, it, it takes a lot of courage to do what Fetterman did last night. It, it, it's, he's in the middle of a recovery from a stroke. And uh, he brought it up and it was really something to see and also quite difficult to watch. The issue of the quack cures promoted by Mehmet Oz on his program came up yesterday and listen very carefully to the exact language that Oz uses. And you will very quickly see why he's choosing such narrow language. Mr. Oz, you have built a lucrative career around medicine, but you've been criticized even by some fellow physicians for promoting, quote, unproven, ill-advised and at times potentially dangerous treatments. What is your response to that? You have 60 seconds. Did you or your company make a profit from promoting those products? I never sold weight loss products as, as described in those commercials. It's a, it's a television show. Like, this is a television show, so people can run commercials on the shows, and that's a perfectly appropriate and very tra- transparent process. Mm-hmm. I ne- Consider the language there, okay? I never sold weight loss products as described in John Fetterman's commercials. Okay, that is extraordinarily narrow language. He provided a platform for those products. It made the show profitable. He was promoting green coffee extract as a magical weight loss cure. That is not evidence based. He was promoting raspberry ketones as the quote, number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. That is not evidence based. He promoted guests who say homeopathy works uncritically. And I know some people in my audience get mad about this. It doesn't work, guys. I'm sorry. I know people email me every time. There are no active ingredients in homeopathy. There are no measurable active ingredients. It does not work. It has been widely studied. Oh, but David, big pharma won't allow studies. Guys, homeopathy has been widely studied. It doesn't work. And Oz promoted it. So extraordinarily narrow language there. Oz also promoting medication supposedly for colds. Uh, The way to get rid of a cold is to wait five to seven days. Okay, no matter what you take during those five to seven days. Right. Coffee enema, which is dangerous, by the way, Uh, you know, fried plantains, um, baths with uh, whatever, you know, coconut oil bath. Five to seven days later, the cold will be gone. And uh, to attribute it to all of these different supposed cold cures doesn't actually make any sense. So bottom line, the question with this race is what happens with the polling? What happens with the polling at this point in time? Because going into yesterday's debate, the polling is what it is right now. Fetterman plus one point three Fetterman plus one point three. And is if you take a look, you will see that Fetterman had a nearly nine point lead in early August. And that lead was only six at the beginning of September. 
And that lead was only four towards the end of September. And that lead is now one point three. How much of an impact can a single debate have on a race like this, particularly when one candidate is visibly struggling with his speech as a result of the stroke that he had? I don't have the answer, but we'll find out in the next seven to 10 days. And listen, the election's only two weeks away and then we'll know a lot more. Early voting has broken records already two weeks before Election Day. But I have to tell you, it is not obvious to me what this means. So let's start with the news and then we'll work backwards. CBS reporting early voting turnout breaking records two weeks before Election Day with seven. I'm sorry, with 15 days to go to Election Day. Early voting is underway in 34 states in D.C., More than seven and a half million people have already voted, either in person or by mail. Some states have already smashed early voting records set in the presidential election of 2020. But uh, voting has not been without incident. We talked about the people with guns and tactical gear in Arizona, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The most important question about this early voting record, and we were talking about this. I was talking about this in another context recently is. Which side is voting in record numbers? And is that a signal about what might happen in this election? Or are both sides just voting in record numbers? And maybe the most important question is whether the early voting records are related to enthusiasm or it's merely that more people are voting early and fewer people will vote on the day of, but that it doesn't actually represent more enthusiasm for participating in this particular election. Is it not reflective of higher overall turnout? And I don't think we had that answer yet. And the the thought process is as follows. In 2020, many states in the context of the covid pandemic expanded early and mail in voting. Many people took advantage of that, but many did not. It was the first time for some of those expansions in many states. Now that it is more known, we may simply be seeing a shift from people waiting to vote on Election Day to choosing to vote early, either in person or by mail. If that is the case, it doesn't necessarily mean voter turnout will be particularly high. No matter what you think is going on and no matter what is going on, just vote, just vote. The headline may be great news, potentially a pacifier. The most important takeaway is no matter when you vote, your vote matters and we want everyone to show up and vote. Let's have a representative democracy that is as representative of as high a percentage of the population as possible. And that means every single one of us should vote. Uh, Reminder, reminder, reminder. Our YouTube channel has a million and a half subscribers, but we had four point three million people watch our videos last month. This leaves nearly three million people who are watching the content but aren't subscribed. I heard after I mentioned this earlier this week from a dozen or so people who said, you know, David, I watch all your clips. I'm not a subscriber on YouTube because YouTube just feeds me the clips anyway. And I understand that. Help us by hitting the subscribe button on YouTube. It's totally free. It's one of the most important signals to YouTube. Hey, promote this guy's content more. It costs nothing. And there's almost three million of you out there who can do this for us. YouTube.com slash the David Pakman show. We'll take a quick break and be right back. The science tells us that one of the best ways to get consistent deep sleep is lowering your core body temperature. When your body stays cooler at night, you're more comfortable and your sleep is better. 
Our sponsor, Sleep Me, is the home of Chili Sleep, the customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that can improve your sleep by keeping you cooler at night. There are three different Chili Sleep systems. There's the Uller, the Cube, and the new Dock Pro with double the cooling power. All three systems are water-based, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you with your ideal sleep temperature. You can go as cool as 55 degrees. You can go really hot if you want. I keep mine at 60. Beautiful temperature for me. Don't wake up hot and sweaty. Chilly sleep keeps me asleep all night. It feels great. I didn't know it was possible to love sleeping even more than I already did. Go to sleep.me slash Pacman to learn more and get 25% off your new chilly sleep system. Click on our chilly sleep link in the podcast notes to start staying cool at night. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P. dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show is a viewer, a listener, an audience supported program, and I would love for you to sign up and show your support at joinpacman.com. This is the membership program, the much discussed and much maligned. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Indeed. Indeed, Alex. Thank you. We do a daily bonus show and offer a commercial free audio and video stream to all of our members every single day. Sign up at joinpacman.com. We're down to the wire on election 22. You can use the coupon code big voting 22 big voting 22 to get a healthy discount off of the cost of a membership. Speaking of the 2022 election, Rolling Stone has an incredible report out about the Trump plan. It's an active plan to try to steal the 2022 election. Now, you might be saying, well, steal it, steal it in what way? Because Republicans may do quite well in the 2022 election. Rolling Stone reports that Donald Trump has, quote, convened a series of in-person meetings and conference calls to discuss laying the groundwork to challenge the 2022 midterm election results during these meetings and these conference calls, quote, pro-Trump groups, attorneys, Republican Party activists and MAGA diehards often discuss the type of scorched earth legal tactics they could deploy. Now, this is for elections they don't win specifically. Understand that 
This is not about let's come together. It sounds so stupid because it's so unbelievable. Let's come to let's do something good for democracy. Let's come together to ensure that the rightful winner, as determined by the will of the people, actually wins every single election. <laughs> That's my Tucker Carlson laugh. <laughs> That's not what they want. That's not what they want. This is for elections they don't win. Let's figure out what sort of tactics we can use to try to get some of these anyway. They came close in 2020 and they're not giving up. One route that they reportedly plan to take, says Rolling Stone, is to do the exact same thing on election night that Trump tried in those early hours of the 2020 election, which is you come out and you say there has been fraud or fraud, as Trump says, Uh, I won. This is embarrassing. We're winning this election. And remember, frankly, we did win this election. Those chilling words at 2 a.m. were you didn't win anything. What are you talking about? Frankly, we did win this election. That is one tool that they are looking to employ, maybe with more favorable district courts, secretaries of state, governors, etc. The report from Rolling Stone is that Trump is very focused on Pennsylvania including Oz v. Fetterman. We already talked extensively about that race earlier and the internal dynamics of that race. Why would uh, Trump care so much about Pennsylvania? It should be obvious at this point. Twenty twenty four is the reason why in twenty twenty four Pennsylvania could determine who is the next president of the United States and certainly Having your guy in as a senator who could potentially object to the counting of the electoral votes in the uh, in January of 2025 is useful. Also, having a governor in Doug Mastriano, who chooses the secretary of state who oversees the election in 2024, would be very, very useful. I'm increasingly wondering what, if any, connection there is between the armed intimidators outside of Arizona ballot boxes and this Trump movement? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. And what you have to understand is that at the end of the day, their proposals make no sense. They don't have that many options left but to cheat and steal. Look at some of the things they're proposing. A national abortion ban that's completely unpopular at a time when Roe v. Wade is as popular as it has been over a 50 year period. Now you're going to say national abortion ban. That doesn't make sense. So instead, you go to cheating and stealing, doing nothing about gun violence and actually proposing more guns in more places, despite constant mass shootings. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So then you go to, well, we can cheat and we can steal looking at gutting and cutting Social Security and Medicare when older voters are demographically their bread and butter. That doesn't make sense. So you figure out ways to cheat and steal. If they can get away with it, they're going to try or rather, I should say they're going to try and they may be able to get away with it. And if you want to get a sense of the level of delusion here, let's go to John Stewart's incredible interview that is going to be published in full very, very soon. John Stewart has a uh, he has a pretty good new program. I have to tell you the, the thing he did in the middle there after The Daily Show, it wasn't so good. This new thing is very, very good. And John Stewart has done some extraordinary interviews recently. Uh, John Stewart interviewed a uh, Mark Burnovich. He's the attorney general of Arizona, and he interviewed him about all sorts of different claims of so-called election irregularities, fraud, et cetera. And this is just a little bit of a preview. The full interview is going to be out over the weekend, I believe. Take a look at this. And 
as good as a, a job as Jon Stewart does, focus on the lack of serious thinking that Mark Burnovich displays here. Right now, we have about, I think, almost 20 criminal cases related to the 2020 election. Out of 4 million votes. Yeah, no, I, I'm talking in facts, John. But the reality is, is there are millions of people, not only in Arizona, but people throughout this country that think the election is stolen. There's people that believe in angels, but that doesn't mean you launch an oh, investigation see, that angels changed ballots. That's a really important thing, because all these MAGA people that I interview and they say, we we just want to know for sure. We just want a forensic audit, which they can never define. We want this, that and the other thing so that we can really be sure. The level of investigation needs to correlate to the level of evidence for irregularities. And again, when this guy says we we have 20 instances that we're investigating here, 20 cases out of four million votes, it doesn't warrant the degree of spending and resource allocation that they have been doing but, 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 a bit of a tautology. When you have a former president spreading rumors yeah. to his supporters, for instance, Trump can say. 74,000 mail in ballots received that were never mail, magically appearing ballots, 168,000 fraudulent ballots printed on illegal paper, 36,000 ballots illegally cast by non-citizens. Now, the truth is none of that was real. When it first came out, the cyber ninja said Joe Biden won Arizona. And then they got a lot of pushback and then they started hedging and hawing. And then next thing you know, people were like, well, Brnovich needs to do something about it. And then it was like, a hot mess. But you've responded by doing things about it. You've what I've done said is, you're still investigating. We've run it. We've run a lot of the stuff to ground. And, yeah, when, and when you get it to ground, will you come out and say Donald J. Trump is wrong? The election in Arizona was fair, not stolen, and not fraudulent. I, I I've always been a straight shooter, and once no, once all the facts and evidence are in, John, John, <laughs> come on, man, I'm telling you, I, you have found no evidence that the election in Arizona was fraudulent or stolen from Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost Arizona, period. I've said that from the very beginning. There have been isolated incidences thus far that we've identified yes. and we are prosecuting. Yes. We still have some active investigations going on, but people but can draw the their main, own conclusions. There is no, no. It's, how can you draw your own conclusions about facts? No, no, people cannot draw their own conclusions. There, That's the point of the law. Yeah, it is. The law is that you have facts right. and you have fiction. Right. The fact is the election in Arizona was well run, not fraudulent and not stolen from Donald Trump, according to even your investigation. I, I have never said. Why is it, it so hard to just say yes to that? I just, I guess because I've spent my entire, most of my career as a prosecutor and we still have some ongoing cases. But he could say up to this point, I have found no legitimacy to any of the claims. So in way. your mind, John. you still feel like after all this, you're going to discover no. a concerted effort to steal the election from Donald Trump and, and that it was fraudulent. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. So why can't you say the election in 2020 was not stolen or fraudulent. I will tell you this, as I said, this I, is blowing my <laughs> is mind. It really? Yeah, 
It is mind blowing. And this is not some random kook. I mean, he's a kook. But what I mean is it's the attorney general of Arizona. And it should be it. It's very scary that even he can't just say it's over. It's over. There was nothing here. One other thought. One of the lines they continue to use is we need to investigate because a lot of people aren't confident that it was all on the up and up. But the reason that those people aren't confident is because of lies told to them by those who want an investigation. Right. Trump goes, we can't trust the results. I really want Arizona uh, ballot dumps, toilet ballots, uh, ballots and sandwiches, ballots with barbecue sauce uh, that is not not native to the United States. You know, all this crazy stuff. So people go, wow, we really need to investigate. Then Trump goes, look, the people want an investigation. Yes, but they want it because of the lies you've told them. And it becomes circular. Uh, this is going to be a really good interview. I look forward to seeing the full thing. Um, and you can see the clip I played today on our Instagram, which you can find at David Pakman show. The David Pakman show's longest running sponsor is Blinkist, the app that takes thousands of nonfiction books, boils each of them down into an explainer you can read or listen to in 15 minutes. Blinkist also condenses episodes of popular podcasts into 15 minute explainers. I've been using Blinkist for years to supplement the books I read. I love reading. I I read all the time. But there's even more books I don't have time to read. And you can often find those nonfiction books on Blinkist and consume the entire thing in 15 minutes. My favorite new feature on the app is Blinkist Connect, which lets you share your Blinkist premium account with someone else. You basically get two accounts for the price of one. And then you can also share Blinkist books and podcasts between users. I have a joint Blinkist premium account with my girlfriend Blinkist Connect lets us sync together what books and podcasts we're listening to on Blinkist sparks many interesting discussions. We just listened to Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power, the new version. Robert Greene, super interesting writer, find his books fascinating. You can try Blinkist free for seven days and get 25 percent off a premium subscription at Blinkist.com slash David Pakman. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash David Pakman to get Blinkist free for seven days and 25% off a subscription. The link is in the podcast notes. Well, Sarah Palin is really having a tough one. It turns out a lot of people in Alaska just don't like her. Sarah Palin, you might remember, uh, former mayor of Wasilla, former governor of Alaska, although she quit that job former um, uh, running mate to the late Senator John McCain in 2008. She was the vice presidential running mate. She is now running for the House of Representatives. Um, She was on the phone with uh, Real America's Voice, which I guess is Steve Bannon. This is the war room, Steve Bannon show. And she is very triggered that her fellow Republican, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, is supporting Palin's Democratic opponent. And you really do love to see it. It's quite a rare thing. Here she is complaining to Steve Ballin, ba- Bannon. They won't help me. Even Republican Lisa Murkowski is supporting a Democrat. This is a delight, my friends. 
the big, big bucks that are coming into, say, Lisa Murkowski's race mm. for senator, even though she's not a Republican. Uh, she just she actually is. announced the other day, she's not voting for me in my race. She's not voting uh, for the Republican Party. She's actually literally announcing that she's voting for the Democrat in my congressional race <laughs> so that I don't win. That's what I'm up against. Yeah. Well, listen, it is a delight. It's rare for a sitting Republican to back any Democrat. And in particular, when you're a sitting Republican, as is Murkowski, who is up for reelection in two weeks and she's supporting the Democrat in that race, Mary Peltola, Lisa Murkowski cannot stand Sarah Palin. That's what's going on. Palin quit halfway through her term as governor of Alaska. It rubbed tons of Alaskans the wrong way. They don't like a quitter. Lisa Murkowski doesn't like a quitter. And Lisa Murkowski, I mean, listen, it's sort of like the, the, the uh, Susan Collins thing, right? Lisa Murkowski will sometimes say slightly more sane things than many other Republicans. At the end of the day, she mostly still votes with Republicans. But OK, she doesn't like Palin and she's not voting for Palin. And Palin seems to be losing very, very badly. There's a new article from the bipartisan report from a few weeks ago. And uh, it has the, the, the latest polling data. And the key paragraph is this one. Um, Peltola starts in round one because they have ranked choice voting voting in Alaska. Peltola starts in round one, meaning initial results with almost a majority. The progression of the results puts Peltola against baggage for a final tabulation, unlike the results from the special election that gave Peltola her currently unfolding stint in Congress. When Palin made it to the end in these results, Peltola finished with 54 percent of the support. Begich had 45, eliminating Begich before the final round instead of Palin still show Republicans losing with Peltola nabbing 56 percent of support. There evidently wasn't enough crossover among the Republicans supporters on either side. And this is the signal. This is the data on which it is believed that Sarah Palin is just not consolidating enough support um, to actually win this. And 65 percent of Alaskans express negative feelings about Sarah Palin. So it is not looking good. I believe this is the end of Sarah Palin's political career. If indeed she loses this election, let's hope that she does. We have viewers in Alaska, Alaska, a unique state in a lot of ways, culturally, geographically, et cetera. Uh, I believe Palin will lose all the evidence is that she will lose. And hopefully that will be the end in terms of hearing from Sarah Palin and her political career. Let's hope looking forward to 2024. More and more Republicans are saying Donald Trump's not going to be the Republican nominee. Now, I'm able to find no data that points that way, but let's take it a step at a time, as I like to do, and start with the claims that are being made. There's an article on The Hill from this morning. Growing number of Republicans say Trump won't be the Republican nominee. Former Speaker Speaker Paul Ryan, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, former Vice President Mike Pence in recent days each indicated they'd rather see someone else on the ballot in the next presidential election. Some of the most outspoken figures like Ryan Bush and Congresswoman Liz Cheney are no longer standard bearers of the party, which has been taken over by Trump. Exactly. But they still carry large megaphones. Their concerns about another Trump candidacy combined with polls showing many voters are ready to move on illustrate how Trump's viability as a candidate could shape how the primary comes into focus. 
Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich said some people like Trump and some people don't like Trump. He's the most dominant single figure in the party. And that's a fact. We played the clip a few days ago of Mike Pence saying, well, there might be somebody else I'd prefer more when he was asked about supporting Trump in 24. Pence may be planning to run himself. Uh, Paul Ryan speaking about 24 says, I think Trump's unelectability will be palpable by then. We all know he will lose. Or let me put it this way. We all know he's much more likely to lose the White House than anybody else running for president on our side of the aisle. So why would we want to go with that? And then you could find other people. Joe O'Day, the Republican Senate candidate in Colorado, says, I don't think Trump should run again. Mitch McConnell has kind of played coy with it. Uh, Lindsey Graham says uh, we have a pretty good chance uh, with with Trump running, but pretty good chance isn't necessarily the best thing. So the most important question is, how are they going to stop him if he runs? They can barely stand up to him now and he's not even running for anything. Do we really imagine them standing up to Trump after he announces? Not really. Do we imagine them standing up to Trump after he survives longer than a few other candidates who who start to drop out and the support consolidates around Trump the way we saw it in 2016? I don't know that I see it. And most importantly, look at the polling data that we have. 2024 presidential nomination. We have polling from uh, from this month. There's a New York Times Siena poll from this month. There's a Harris poll from this month. In the New York Times Siena poll, Trump is leading by 23 with DeSantis at 26. So it's Trump 49, DeSantis 26. In the Harris poll, Trump is leading by 38. That doesn't really look like Republican voters are ready to abandon Trump. If you look at the betting markets, the betting markets, those are asking the question, not who do you support in 24, but who do you believe will win? It's basically a dead heat between DeSantis and Trump. So the most optimistic data we can find is that the betting markets at predictit.org say it's basically uh, a toss up. But then you also look at some of the other latest polling, and this is polling on hypothetical matchups. Now, this is who could win, who could win in 2024. There, there is an argument maybe for someone other than Trump, because you look at recent polling. Emerson College says if the race were today, Biden beats Trump by three. Yahoo News, if the race is today, Biden beats Trump by two. Um, So the best case would be there isn't great polling for Trump winning in a rematch, but it is very early. And there's almost 15, 12, 12 to 14 percent undecided when you poll people today. Part of me wants Trump to run because there's a real chance that DeSantis would fare better against the eventual Democratic nominee. At the same time, crazy things can happen and anybody can end up winning, as we have learned and as we have seen. So it's really up to Republicans. I don't have advice for them. I think Trump is uh, uh, vulnerable. If he is the nominee, but maybe that's a reason that we want to see him run if we're looking from the left. But the most important question to the Republicans, and it's up to them to figure it out. I'm not giving them advice. If you really don't want Trump to run or you don't want him to be the nominee, what can you actually do to dissuade Republican voters from supporting him? Because as of right now, there's clear support behind only one candidate, and that's Trump. There is a smaller but still statistically significant amount of support behind DeSantis. 
No one else is polling greater than five or six percent. I know we're two years away, but I don't understand how they stop Trump if Trump wants it. Let me know your thoughts. Something in your home that you use every day contributes to deforestation and climate change, and that's toilet paper. In the U.S. alone, over 30 million trees each year are required to meet toilet paper demands, contributing to deforestation, soil erosion, devastating loss of biodiversity. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes sustainable toilet paper that is 100 percent made from bamboo. A bamboo stock keeps growing. It can be harvested forever. It means that the soil and the ecosystem aren't disrupted. No carbon removing trees are cut down. The paper industry has a massive effect on deforestation and climate change. But you alone using bamboo toilet paper can make a positive impact because for the toilet paper that just one American uses in their lifetime, hundreds of trees are required. Put an end to that right now with real paper. The best part is the stuff is really great. It's just normal soft toilet paper. Real paper loves the David Pakman show. They're giving my audience 30 percent off your first order and free shipping. When you go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman at checkout, that's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman at checkout for 30% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. Former Trump advisor Stephen Bannon recently sentenced to jail for four months, but free pending an appeal is now openly threatening Dr. Fauci and his family with being, quote, hunted if indeed Republicans take uh, control of at least the House in uh, November uh, in the 2022 midterms. Bannon at this point is an overtly dangerous and disgusting figure in American politics, truly sick. Here is Steve Bannon. Fauci, what is wrong with our country that they want to go after Fauci? They are obsessed. And here is what Bannon had to say. Uh, on the 8th of November, when we destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution and really end the regime. By the way, the use of the word regime here, uh, totally propagandistic and inaccurate. The hunted become the hunters. Uh-oh. The yes. hunted become the hunters. So uh, and, and you, you heard Natalie at the top. The whole Fauci family is going to be welcome to the investigations. Why? Fauci's kids. Why are you going to investigate Fauci's kid? What, I mean, putting Fauci aside for a second. His whole family, the entire fam- family. Remember, War Room was taken off Twitter because of comments I made about, wait for it, Christopher Ray and Anthony Fauci, that their day was coming. They- but that has nothing to do with Fauci took us down. They took the War Room account. I've never been on Twitter. They took the War Room account on Twitter. Paybacks across the board and all that big move. Wow. Retribution. They're going to hunt people as retribution. This guy is truly disgusting. I mean, think about it. Being mad at Dr. Fauci because threatening him got you banned from Twitter. First of all, what does that even have to do with Dr. Fauci as question number one? But it's like a blame the messenger sort of thing. It's the most base and disgusting thing. And understand that you know what? Why is everybody? Why are they on the right so mad at Dr. Fauci? It starts with something that is typical of cults. Fauci committed the mortal sin to the MAGA right wing cult. He did not kiss the behind of the orange emperor. He said, hey, you know what? We shouldn't inject bleach. That's not a good idea. Hey, you know what? We don't have evidence that hydroxychloroquine works to treat covid. 
It's anti-science. It's overtly pro-ignorance, pro-hate. And it's also contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. And there's, you know, we've talked a lot on the program about conspiratorial thinking. We've talked a lot on the program about cults and cult members. Oftentimes, the cults promulgate conspiracy theories. And sometimes, in addition to the brainwashing and all the different stuff, there is a desire to be contrarian simply for the sake of being contrarian. Conservatives and Trump supporters should be mad at Steve Bannon. Bannon fleeced MAGA people way more than Fauci did. Remember that uh, Bannon fleeced Trump supporters out of millions of dollars and is in the middle of criminal prosecution for it. Remember the whole build the wall thing? Give us the money and then we'll build a wall, which, of course, they weren't doing and they didn't. And now there's there's a, a, a prosecution happening. The MAGA people should be angry with Bannon, not with Fauci, who gave the best medical advice based on what we knew at the time, at all points in time during the pandemic. But no, they want to hunt Anthony Fauci. And this is absolutely a form of stochastic terrorism, meaning with a large enough audience, if Bannon continues shining a spotlight on Fauci and his family hunted Fauci and his family hunted, People in the audience can get the idea. Maybe I should be the one doing the hunting. And sadly, Dr. Fauci needs full time security because that is indeed a real threat. A Trump lawyer, Alina Habba, is now making the new claim that Nancy Pelosi orchestrated the January 6th, 2021 Trump riots at the U.S. Capitol. How is that possible? How is it possible that that's what she did? Well, here she is, Alina Habba, explaining it herself. And there are two basic, fundamental, important claims that underlie this idea. They've both been debunked and we're going to get to them. But understand that they don't even know what to say anymore. And so now it's forget about Trump didn't incite the riots. Nancy Pelosi orchestrated them. Don't need it get them in place. He was concerned himself. He said, let's get extra uh, military. We will give you people to come in and to make sure that the capital is safe. No, 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 I don't want it. Well, now we see why, Eric. We yeah. see why, because it was, it was orchestrated, because she said, this is her moment. This is her moment. No, it's not your moment. Okay. So there's two claims there, and these are claims that they've repeated many times. The first claim is, Trump asked for 10,000 National Guard troops, which would have prevented the riots. That's claim one. OK, this is how we actually figure stuff out. OK, the first claim is Trump says, I asked for 10,000 troops. They didn't give them to me. The second claim that's being made is Nancy Pelosi rejected the 10,000 troops coming to Washington, D.C. to prevent the riots. So two claims Trump requested. Nancy Pelosi rejected. Neither one of them is true. The first one is the Trump claim. OK, there is no evidence that Trump made that request. Now, if you want to be endlessly uh, skeptical, you can always say, is it possible Trump requested the troops and the request was thrown in the trash in order for there to be no evidence? You can always do that. But the point here is 
There is no evidence uh, of written telecommunications. People on the other end of the request saying, yeah, I got we got that request from the Trump White House for the National Guard troops. PolitiFact has explored this and has determined that it is false. They have found no such evidence. The second claim is that Nancy Pelosi rejected the troops. Sean Hannity has been saying it for a very long time, and so have others. Again, there is no evidence that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer or anyone else rejected the request for the 10,000 or sometimes it's 20,000 troops that are mentioned. Now, of course, if there's no evidence that the request was ever made, there's no request to reject either. And that's another layer to this thing that's important to mention. I would love it if Alina Habba made some of these claims under oath. I don't think that's going to happen. And remember that Donald Trump's TV lawyers and his court lawyers tend to be different people. We heard from Michael Cohen about how that works. And I don't expect to actually see Alina Habba make any of these claims under oath. But every single one of these claims has been soundly rejected and or there is simply no evidence for it whatsoever, one way or the other, because it doesn't appear that such a request was ever made. They'll keep telling the lie and we have to keep reminding them there's just no evidence. You're just saying that you're making that up. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here is a question about trans youth and surgery, puberty blockers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's targeted at me based on something a viewer thinks I was, I guess, deliberately doing the other day. Take a listen. David, I just watched your uh, covering of the DeSantis Christ debate uh, when it got to the part about uh, uh, transitioning uh, transgender kids. Yep. I noticed you were pretty quiet. Uh, where are you on uh, kids under 18 and, uh, you know, teenagers, 13, 14, 15, taking uh, puberty blockers and uh, uh, taking other transitioning hormones and uh, um, in some cases, uh, uh, you know, the medical uh, surg- surgery that does it. Yeah. Um, like uh, taking out their breasts or genitals and um, uh, do you support it as a gender affirming care or do you think that uh, uh, if you're under a certain age, it should not be uh, should not be given to kids? Okay, so listen, I was not being deliberately quiet for any particular reason. My view on this issue of trans youth puberty blockers gender affirming surgery, trans teens, five to seven year olds versus 12 to 14, et cetera. My view is there are so many different situations that need to be dealt with differently. And I am not an expert in that. And so I know that it has become really in for every podcast host and streamer and whatever to take hard and fast positions on every aspect of this. If and when are puberty blockers okay? And what about the surgery? And then claims about, oh, hospitals are trying to convince people to transition and all of this stuff that's not backed by any actual kind of evidence that it's taking place. My view on this is what I currently believe the overall 
position of experts, medical experts to be not religious clergy, not Republican or Democratic politicians. And that is as follows. You need a multi pronged approach when it comes to. Trans youth people under 18. There are medical aspects to this. There are social aspects to this. There are educational aspects to this. There are mental health aspects to this. There are policy related questions that have to be answered. I don't pretend to have all the answers, and I believe that a lot of the specific elements of this are still being studied. What I can tell you for sure is that we're not going to get to the best outcome for the trans youth by allowing Republicans to set the terms of the debate to ban all sorts of things again, as if they know better than doctors, which we're familiar with them when it comes to abortion and on and on and on. Now, I will also say the left should not dismiss parts of the conversation that they don't like. I'm going to give you an example here. Okay, here's an example of something that I've seen some on the left dismiss. It should be explored whether when a 15 year old says, I believe that I am in the wrong body when it comes to sex. I was born biologically male, but I feel that I am a a woman. It should not be dismissed that maybe that is a reflection of what is happening in society for someone who is struggling with something, but it may not necessarily be that they were born into the wrong body. And what I mean by that is. It should it should be explored whether there are deeper components to what is going on and because of what is taking more attention in the media right now, some folks are being drawn to that. Now, I know some of you will say, David, are are you saying there shouldn't be gender affirming? No, no, no. There should be absolutely everything, but it should also be a conversation that is being had. And by the way, it is had when people want to transition. There are conversations with mental health professionals. The right likes to pretend someone says after 15 years of living as a boy, they say, I'm a girl. And two days later, they're having surgery. That's not happening. That's not happening. But the point here is. All aspects of this should be considered. All aspects of this should be considered. Uh, We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. We are going to talk about the supposed trend of quiet quitting, quiet quitting. I have a lot to say about this, and I've read quite a bit about it. Many of you have emailed me saying, David, you should discuss this. We will today. The world's dirtiest man has died in Iran at age 94. What does that mean? The world's dirtiest man, I will tell you. And the Nazi holding a Kanye is right sign on the 405 freeway in California has been identified. And the situation is very quickly getting very, very ugly. I want you to sign up for a membership at joinpacman.com and then you will get instant access to the bonus show. Thank your lucky stars every day. You're not Dave Pacman. Well, you don't have to be me. You can just listen to the bonus show and that's good enough. Joinpacman.com is the place to sign up. You can use the coupon code BIGVOTING22 to get a sizable discount. And I look very much forward to seeing you there.